hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to uh, Hampton with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. I am still here with one of my all-time favourite people in the whole world, Miss Nathan Bottomley. Say hello. Hello, dear listener. Oh. There you go. <laughs> oh, you know, Brendan said that on all four episodes when he did this. Uh, did he? Really? Yeah. <laughs> <Bless> him. <laughs> and I made him do an intro as well. And honest to God, it's the most sexiest thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, he's, um, he is that. <laughs> um nathan i've got a question yep. for you about continuity yeah i.e the extreme lack of continuity in this season do you think that's a good approach what what do you think where do you think this season lacks continuity well, i.e there's no returning monsters they're all pretty original stories i know you there's a like the old mention of the time laws and things like that but really, this is not leaning on the past at all. It's just telling original yeah. stories. Oh, I don't think that continuity starts to become a fetish until the 80s. I think Doctor Who mostly doesn't have continuity. It occasionally has a sequel to a, a particularly you know, well-regarded story in the previous year or a couple of years ago. Um, even the Daleks that keep coming back uh, really initially just, you know, very successful monsters that are brought back for a very successful second time and then suddenly they become a thing that we do sort of every year or so. Um, I say it, season uh, 12 is quite heavy, isn't it? Like there's a unit yeah, story, a Sontaran story, a Dalek st story, a Cyberman story. But that's unusual and that's because they're anxious about whether people will stick with Tom after five years of John. You know, they, they'll say, all right, we've got a new Doctor for the first time in a very long time, and so we'll bring back returning elements to reassure people that it's the same show, and then it turns out that He's all of that amazing. was a complete waste of time. Yeah. That's it. Once we, we hit the end of Robot Episode 1, we're fine. Um, but um, so I think that this is actually not as unusual as perhaps it seems to us now. I think it's a, I think kind of not leaning on the past because I feel it's a problem in the 80s and it becomes yeah. a problem in the new series in Moffat's era where there's a there's an awful lot of continuity especially in some of those later seasons um yeah the yeah yeah and like Doctor Who is always sort of weird because it is sort of an anthology show there's a it's difficult to read it as a series of adventures happening to the same person because you know every four weeks their memory seems to be wiped and <laughs> do you know what I mean like like they never refer to anything that's ever happened before and then when they start doing that in the 80s it's sort of terribly tedious so well even when something catastrophic happens like the death of Adric we only have like this tag scene at the beginning of the next story and it's like right <laughs> that's well, right He's Adric gone now. would want us to go off to the great <laughs> yeah. exhibition. Oh, dear. Okay, <laughs> right. Should we skip into episode four? I think we should. After laughing about the death of Adric. <laughs> yeah, it's heartbreaking. Okay. <laughs> I'll count us in in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. And we're off. And we're off. Oh, I, <laughs> I still adore this title sequence, you know. Toby Haydock said something very interesting the other day, and that is he yeah. he only really likes the title sequences 
that suggest uh, moving through space and time. So when it's really right. weird, and that's why he doesn't really like the 80s one, because that only suggests moving through space. I think that's good. I think uh, the one that I dislike the most is uh, um, the, the Series 7B one, oh, where it just seems to be just a whole lot of weird shit. I haven't and got a clue what's going anything. on. Yeah. No, I don't know either. Yeah, no, no. Oh, he yes. got Stuart Fell. <laughs> Look at him, what a trooper. Give that man a BAFTA. Do you know what? Though? I'll take I'll <laughs> That's take, a top quality crawling there. Come yeah, on. I'll take a humble effect like that over something like the Merca, which is a you know a spectacular failure. Yeah, this is pretty good. And it's in the dark and it's not in it very much. But I don't and I think it's cute. I would have a pet shriven zile, I reckon. What do you think? Uh, I feel as if I have got a pet shriven zile. It's been clawing <laughs> at my door for the most of this country. Um <laughs> So the director of this story was George Spencer Foster. He only directed one other Doctor Who story, didn't he? Image of the Fendal. Oh, yeah. I think they're both pretty strong. I, I wish he'd done more because he goes on to do uh, some Blake Sevens. Yeah, he does. And they're really good as well. I, th I think he directed Gambit, which is my favourite episode of Blake Seven. Is it? With Bob Holmes. Yeah. Be why. yeah. I think it's a bit slow and talky, actually. So <gasps> that's a thing that I usually think. But I, I've, you know, like I'm totally here for what's her name? Um, uh, Amelia Ducart in a. In fishnets. You know, in tights. <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> and that bizarre French accent she's doing. Uh, it's so bizarre. Absolutely. Lots of planets over France, though, I guess. Oh, um, uh, we just missed some great scenery chewing from Paul Steed, who again is playing it absolutely straight. It's so great. And I'm a big fan of the flex of spittle as well. Like Ew. he's constantly spitting all over himself because he's an absolute prick. I'm fairly <laughs> I'm fairly repulsed every time I see spit, so I can't really handle that, <laughs> that scene in Dalek or that scene in the end of time. <laughs> And weirdly enough, he's like two of the best actors ever to appear in Doctor Who, giving yeah, it full yeah. frost. Spitting all over themselves. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, what about Turlow in Frontius? Oh, my God. So he came to a convention in Australia, and we used to do these plays. Uh, um, and, of course, um, Mark Strickson lived in Armadale, which is a sort of university town of away from here and he we had him run in in the play and say tractators with <laughs> you know i've seen them um and he took a massive fucking swig of beer before no. coming on and then just spat it all over <laughs> us and himself that is Doctor <laughs> Who fans in a nutshell. They don't mind being <laughs> gobbed on if they're replaying a scene from the classic era. Yeah that's it. Oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah. quite right. So it was, but it's a great. No, story. being spat on by Mark Strickson. I did have the spoons played on me by Sylvester McCoy once, which is. Oh, and Janet Fielding kissed me on the cheek one time too. I've never washed ever. <laughs> it wasn't because of that. Nathan, you get very intimate with Doctor Who stars. <laughs> I do, I do. They stopped coming to Australia now. I hear. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Well, I I wasn't washing. It was uh, it was upsetting for everyone. Oh look, we've got more. <laughs> like wonderfully intimate scenes between Unstop and Vimro. This is a lovely relationship. 
and and I think he gets away with it. This doesn't abs- this doesn't advance the plot in any way at all. It is just here to give these performances a chance to happen. And that's okay though, right? No, 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 absolutely. I don't give a crap about the plot. I remember I couldn't even remember what the what, you know what the heist was 40 years later, last episode. So and I you know, I've seen this care. at least 50 times. And I said to you before I pressed play on episode, I've got no clue how this ends. Like, <laughs> sometimes I don't think it even matters, does it? <laughs> like So can I ask you a question as an English person? What the what's Hackney Wick? Oh gosh. I think it's in London. I think is it a mud, a little hole in the mud, or whatever? No, just... I think that's just what I'm being very cruel. <laughs> being naughty so again, right? <laughs> isn't isn't no? It's Putney Common. Sorry, I was going to say, isn't that the bus that the Iris is, uh bus has on the front? But that has that, on the front. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. I I guess two. Like it's it's kind of funny. Like Eric Saywood would have just killed Unstop off or something probably because he really doesn't have anything else to do. Um, you know, like there's like what's he here for? Um, and but instead, you know, he gets he's a this is a double act every bit as much as Garen and Unstop are, um, and it's a it's it's much more underplayed. You know, like Unstop's not doing funny voices or anything at this point. Um, to be it's... fair, there is a fair-sized massacre in this story, but yeah, I love the I love fact it. I love the fact that the prophecy is there. So it's kind of like the punchline of a great joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it... you know how uh, Bob Baker and Dave Martin were always like on the lookout for characters that would have life beyond their Doctor Who story, like Drax, like Canine. I think Garen and Unstoff would, would have made a fine kind of comedy sci-fi series. I would have watched the hell yeah. out of that. Oh, you look unconvinced. Yeah. I do I do look a bit unconvinced. I think I think that they're I, I think it, it benefits from the fact that we just have a couple of just really very, very good scenes with them. You know, like I, I'm not sure that you know and 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 i think that that having this sort of backstory gives i don't know there's a sort of tendency for us to want to fill out backstories and have more of things and i sometimes think sort of less is more you've met gary russell right yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, sorry, that's his yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> well, Have you read some of those books? Honestly, it's taking all those elements no. from the series and expanding. In fact, Rusty Davis, um, he wrote a book where he tried to explain um, what the Medusa Cascade was. And, and Rusty said, no, take that out. It's supposed yeah, to be yeah. obscure, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like Gary is doing that for an audience of people who are buying, you know, like a Doctor Who novel a month. Um, and so he's, I think he's probably right to pitch it at those people. Do you know what I mean? It's not the sort of thing that the show has ever done when it's at its best. Yeah. yeah, it is that. People having a life before and after. I mean, I know Binro doesn't spoiler alert, but... Um, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know, it's 40 years old. Statute of limitations has passed. Um, yeah, yeah. Less is more a bit. I would stay in that hotel, would you? Not um, this hotel, not the uh, not the catacombs, but certainly that. Uh, it looks comfy. It, it looks cozy. Our book is a room. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so here we have Ravana and Canine, and she's like, you know, oh, be quiet, you irritating computer. Like it's a it's a very cold relationship <laughs> at this point, but that changes throughout this year. Yeah, I think Marytown, like everybody, they all fall in love with John Leeson, don't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he's crawling around on the floor in the rehearsal room. You know what's not to love? Him have, and Stuart Fell. Have you met John Leeson? Um, he did come to a convention, so I was in the same room with him once, but it was like a big audience. You, um, you would be, you would struggle to find a more affable bloke. Really? Oh, I it strikes you like that. I I, I like, think I met him at a bar at a convention and I was like, Oh look, I'm just a big fan. I love K9 and he proceeded to have an entire conversation in the voice of K9 with me. Oh for God's sake. <laughs> Can I buy you a drink? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> God bless him. That's you know, and he could like he could look back on this and say, "Do you know what? I'm above this," but he yeah. doesn't. He really embraces it and went on to do it again in the new series. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Copyright allowing. <laughs> work um, is work, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but also, you know, like it is really funny and wonderful that when the show comes back, it absolutely is it ashamed of the cheesiness of a robot dog. It absolutely leans into it, even though it's a pretty crappy pop, you know, prop, <laughs> you know, um, and you know, there's, there's fun lines in school reunion about how sort of disco sort of, yeah, disco. <laughs> that's a great line. <laughs> how period it is. <laughs> I think the most disco canine's ever been is that canine and company theme music. Someone should do a remix of that, like a club. remix. Ah, <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. That, that, oh, here we go. Here we go. Look at the makeup uh, all over her hands. Like, that must have been a nightmare to keep that on. Yeah, I think she probably got people to kind of bring her things. You know, you didn't is have this, to carry a lot. Is this the first time she says all but one is doomed to die? Or has she said that already? Yeah, and it it's really good, too, because I don't know. Are we inclined to believe her? No. I think, I think we're supposed to look at her as, like, a, a figure to mock. Because I think as a kid, maybe I took her a bit more seriously. And so I was kind of anxious about the prophecy. Do you know what I mean? She'd made this prophecy. And, you know, now much later, I you know think it's massively interesting that she always gets it right. But I do think that there is something in the script where we're kind of intended in, you know, and particularly as people die one by one, um, we start to wonder who who it is that's going to be left. I, I like the twist that the doctor's the soldier that the graph talks to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he does like the sleight of hand thing. And then that pays off in the end when he hugs Garen yeah. and that oh, yeah. it's so, so great. So perfect. <laughs> oh dear. 
Yeah. So, uh, do we think that this bit perhaps goes on a bit too long? What's that? What, wandering around the catacombs? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if we don't do that, then we get to the climax about ten minutes early. Well, yes. That, well, that's kind of the point I was making. Perhaps you know that. Perhaps the story runs out. I, I, I just don't think there's here. much plot left, is there? So it is no. a lot of running around before we get to to the end. Yeah. This ain't the first yeah. Doctor Who story to be, I could you know, accuse that of. No, no. And Bob Holmes has certainly run out of steam before as well. You know, like everyone goes on about how great Pyramids of Mars is. But, oh, episode four. You know. No, what, do you know, I think that I think you guys mentioned this in Flight for Entirety as you were going through the hinge that a lot of those episode fours are pretty disappointing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like yeah. A, like, like like he's really good as a script editor of like um encouraging a writer to set up a story and there's lots of suspense and lots of mystery and lots of incident throughout. Like season fourteen. I think season fourteen is is the worst example. practically every last episode. Is a bit of a damn squib mm. in that season. Oh, Unstoff's just oh, been killed. Here we go. There's me talking about squibs. Not Unstoff, Brit, uh, Binro. Uh, uh, Binro, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's so cruel. <laughs> That's like something oh. you would come out with, honestly. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> Oh no, look, they're going to try and pull off uh, uh, the, the roof falling in. <laughs> they do this wonderful thing in a minute where they know they can't pull off K9 like, destroying a rock face. So they, they show you K9 and then they pan around and it's already just, it's gone. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, that's it. That's supposed to be, uh, you know, uh, classy and uh, we don't need special effects because we're far, far too proper and grown up it's the alan bromley effect let's do it the easiest oh, way possible let's do it badly <laughs> <laughs> and yet the two stories he directed uh time warrior and nightmare i think they're both great yeah yes is that all he did uh, uh time warrior nightmare yes. of eden yeah 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 but again special effects lamentable in both of them oh thank you for dropping that word in <laughs> oh look here's the shrivens arm back he's so gorgeous you you would say you love dogs yeah <laughs> he is he's a big dog a big scaly carnivorous well they're all carnivorous a big scaly uh, um anthropophagus dog here we go look the massive cannon the adopt who story that's ending on a big explosion there's a big explosion novel. yep yep Oh, wait, that means Prentice Hancock actually survives. I think this is the only Doctor Who story where he survives. Really? Uh, well, he dies in Planet of the Daleks. Yeah. He dies in Planet of Evil. Oh, does he? Yeah, Salomon. I guess he must do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, he shouts a lot. He deserves it. Yeah, no, he's super tedious. This is really awkward. You've got, like, the Seeker going, no, 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 and some rocks. <laughs> 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 oh okay oh, wait. who's dead here who's dead here Sherlock, oh, Sherlock had it 
all uh, right here we go my god's a flat <laughs> <laughs> um ah, he should so have brought his his better breastplate then we oh, we talked about this flat. off my I'm, I'm gonna ask yeah. you directly is this a homoerotic moment or is this just a moment no, no, no. Two Look at the state of it. it is it's this guy is just being an asshole again i think is really the thing you know like it's he's sort of faithful squire but like <laughs> there's not one moment where you feel sympathy for him you know like his best friend has died in other contexts you would how do you think he goes in for a bit of tongue there that is no no, no. i'm sorry <laughs> I have, oh, kissed some, think... I have kissed some men's faces like that, okay? <laughs> that was pretty intimate. Yeah, really? Like, um, he's dead, though. It's not like he's going to tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think... <laughs> I, but I just... So I'm inventing a backstory now where a young a young Graf Vindicay, maybe back when he was sort of merely Graf Vinder F, <laughs> um, <laughs> is taken under under Sholak's wing... Do you know what I mean? And Sholak's a sort of uh, strapping, manly, older soldier. And, uh, you know, that's where they really first got to know one another. I know a few couples like that, you know, Nathan. Yeah, I'm not not judging. You've also (laughs) just introduced necrophilia to Doctor Who. Thank you very much. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, here we go. Reason flight through entirety. Here we go. Yeah. So just a little laser. Oh, that is impressive, isn't it? And now we pan back, and we—it's all gone. Oh gosh, he's lucky he stopped firing when he did; otherwise, he would have burned, burned on, uh, you know, Garon's face off. Wow, all but one doomed to die. Yeah, that's true. Oh my God, is this the bit where he shoots him in the face? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, Like, and it has to be some like cod special effect because in any other circumstance, it would be unthinkable to shoot someone in the face. (laughs) Doctor Who does occasionally shoot. We do occasionally have people shot in the face. Do we? I think so. Oh, here we go. Oh, wow! It is a really cod special effect, isn't it? It's very short too. We I mean, if those were the guns from I don't know Androzani, which is machine guns, that would have been yeah, a, yeah, a yeah, very yeah, different yeah, scene. Yeah. No, these are very and they're sort of classy space guns, aren't they? They're not even sort of space gun space guns. They're like. What's interesting here, though, is that he was mocking the Seeker in the last episode. Now he absolutely believes it because he's yes, this yeah, guard because everyone else is dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because she, it turns out that she's told the truth. But the doctor. Oh, are... this and it, like this, I absolutely love this, where he's reminiscing and he's just being an absolute asshole, and it, you know, like he's doing all of these space names and 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 you know, then the music, you know, or is it music? There's the sound of the battles as yeah, he yeah, yeah, as yeah. he sort of imagines them. I mean, he's just so so awful and so hilariously funny. And he's, he literally walks off reminiscing about a moment yeah, where yeah. they charged yeah, forward no, and murdered a load is, of people. He is a moron. And, and you know, like that he just thinks that he'll give a bomb to a soldier and the soldier will just stand there and kind of, you know, um, and just blow up for the sake of this guy, you know. Well, and yet they probably would if it wasn't the Doctor, you know. 
Uh, maybe. Yeah, I reckon they all laughed at him behind his back. I mean, why is he so... Don't you think he's such a prick? What I think every this, like this. <laughs> what is funnier than this? It's so wonderful. And he's playing it so straight. And then he blows up. That's, like he the, that's the funniest thing ever. And you just hear him going, oh, <laughs> funny to the last. so do you think then paul seed is deliberately pushing against that Uh, no i think he realizes that it's funnier and better to play it completely straight and so that we can laugh at him because the character has no insight the character doesn't think he's an idiot the character doesn't realize how just incredibly (laughs) tedious he is um and so you know this overwrought you know emotion that we just laugh at you know, that's the thing. He's so frightened of being um, laughed at and he's an absolutely ridiculous person. You're literally making an argument here for the Grand <laughs> McKay being one of the best villains ever. I think he's ma- magnificent. Absolutely superb. This is a, uh, a uh, brilliant... Li- oh, God. Where he's like, could I just hold the Jeffrey one more time? Uh, and he does that turn around. He even like sticks his hand in his sleeve as he turns around. It's all so obvious. The only <laughs> thing that spoils that is that you can see he's got the Jeffrey when he goes in the TARDIS. So the oh, gag is gone. Missed... Yeah, it's just it's just a little, but yeah, you can see it. Oh, and here's K9 going into the TARDIS again out of shot as usual, because how would he get in? <laughs> this is very like the lines they get here are very um, glitz and dibber at the end of Mysterious Planet, uh, aren't they? Oh, I think he's just redoing these two when he does glitz and dibber, for sure. Do you think it's and as it, effective? Um, I, you know, I don't like to speak ill of the people who were recently thought to be dead but weren't. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> I don't think Tony Selby's all that good. Wow. Okay. I, yeah. And it's just possible that I couldn't, I wasn't paying attention to his performance because Dibba. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the things I've done to Dibba in my mind. <laughs> but uh, I actually think maybe he's better in Dragonfire. Um, he's being played just outright comedy. Isn't yeah. He, Dragonfire? Yeah. And, uh, you know, like these two are better than Glitz and Dibba. I think, and it is him redoing it because I mean, Mysterious Planets is his greatest hits album, isn't it? They, li- yeah. well, you know, what's funny about this is, you know, they turn this uh, Jeffrey into one of the segments, so they're literally turning it into a puzzle piece that needs. Yeah, to be- yeah, yeah. They're kind of, you know, I- showing up exactly how basic all this is. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's it's such a MacGuffin. I do love that little bit of business where they can't decide who's going to do it. Which is actually quite nice, and it is a little bit of a resolution of the tension between them in episode one. I like the the one that ends with the two pieces, and they can't figure out how it goes in together. together. Because I'll tell you what, I'm bloody shit at puzzles, so that would absolutely (laughs) be me. I know someone who's got an exact replica of that, you know. I've got my... uh... Blu-ray... No, my DVD box set. Oh, that was gorgeous. An exact replica of it, but not a cube and not transparent. So. 
Okay, well, now we've laughed at necrophilia and lots of deaths, like so we do here. fairly normal evening. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Um, why don't you explain to people why they should head to their shelves right now, grab the Reboss Operation, and put it on? Oh, well, I just think it's probably one that you haven't thought of watching for a while. Um, it's by Bob Holmes, who is the, the greatest writer in the classic series. Uh, it's properly funny and properly clever and, I think, beautifully made. And plus Paul Steed. You know, you keep saying Steed and it's, in fact, Seed. You know, seed! Right. Yeah! Seed. <laughs> Having an Avengers moment, I think. <laughs> He's called Seed. And for one of the greatest characters of all time, the Seeker. Yes! <laughs> absolutely <laughs> blows us off the screen nathan <laughs> thank you so much for your time that was um that was very nice to laugh at with you <laughs> uh, that was really fun thank you for having me again. um but before we go uh we've got a number of stories we're going to talk about in the future haven't we i think we do and in fact the next time we meet you and i will have a third joining us and we are going to talk about the Romans. Oh, are you spoiling who our third is? Well, Gordon, you do it. It's Conrad Westmus. Oh, man. A threesome with you two. Honestly, I yeah, cannot no. wait. <laughs> so, let's, so let's just say until next time. Yeah, see you next time. <laughs>